This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Jane Brown, filling in for Libby Snymer. There's no doubt that this week will be remembered for the devastation caused by Hurricane Sandy, one of the largest storms to hit the northeastern United States in modern times. Here in Canada, we got off lucky, avoiding the worst of the superstorm. But what if things had been different? Today, I'll be joined by Alison Stewart, the Chief of Emergency Management Ontario. She'll tell us how we can prepare for another natural disaster and what unique challenges might face older Zoomers in an extended power outage. I have interviewed now and photographed 120 grandmothers in 17 grandmother groups in 15 countries on five continents for this project. Plus, I'll be joined by Paola Turco, the author and photographer behind the book Grandmother Power, a Global Phenomenon. It documents grandmothers around the world who are helping their communities in unique and inspiring ways. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. And one of the greatest rock and roll songs of all time, Great Balls of Fire, is celebrating its 55th birthday. We'll hear the classic song and some facts about how it became one of Jerry Lee Lewis's biggest hits. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Bank of Canada Governor Mark Carney is offering his advice after learning that many Canadians are tying their retirement financial security to the value of their homes. Carney says he's seen his own evidence that Canadians feel financially secure because their assets are bigger than their debts. But he says they get a rude shock when house prices plummet and they're unable to sell their homes but still face monthly mortgage payments. Carney says that's happened many times, most recently in the United States in 2008. Breast cancer screening for women over 50 saves lives. But an independent panel in Britain says that screening comes with a cost. Research from Britain and other U.S. studies found for every life saved, roughly three other women were overdiagnosed. That means they were unnecessarily treated for a cancer that would never have threatened their lives. Here in Canada, breast screening guidelines have been updated for women between the ages of 40 and 49, with a task force recommending that women in this age group not get routine screenings because on a population level, the risks of harm from screening mammograms outweigh the benefits. The new recommendations are published in the Canadian Medical Association Journal. Turns out exercise benefits the brain as much and maybe even more than the rest of the human body. In a study presented this week at the Canadian Cardiovascular Congress, a group of sedentary adults with an average age of 49 were put on four months of high-intensity interval training. 
Dr. Martin Junot of the Montreal Heart Institute says at the end of the regimen, their ability to think, recall, and make quick decisions had all improved significantly. Blood flow to the brain increases during exercise, and the more fit you are, the more that increases and the better the brain functions. And finally, we found out earlier this week that George Lucas is $4 billion richer after selling his Lucas films to Disney, a move that shocked many dedicated fans. But the creator of the Star Wars empire has evidently decided he doesn't want the money. It's the perfect example of a Zoomer giving back. The Hollywood Reporter says Lucas is going to donate all of the money to charity. It's not clear which charities will benefit, but a possible recipient is the George Lucas Educational Foundation that he began several years ago. In the past, Lucas has spoken about his passion for promoting active, lifelong learning and creating a new education system that encourages different types of learning. Even before the Disney deal, George Lucas's personal wealth was estimated at $3.5 billion. I'm Jane Brown, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. This week, the world's eyes were on America's northeast coast as Hurricane Sandy touched down and left devastation in her wake. When the storm cleared, lives had been lost, homes, boardwalks, and cars had been blown away, and millions of Americans were left without power. Here in Toronto, we were extremely fortunate to miss the wrath of Sandy, or at least the full wrath of it. But what if that weren't the case? On the phone with me now is Alison Stewart, Chief of Emergency Management Ontario. Alison, were we prepared enough for a situation like we saw in New Jersey and New York? I believe we certainly were prepared for power outages, and that was really the primary focus was on the potential for power outages because of the high winds. Hydro uh, One and OPG had certainly lots of teams ready to go out and start responding to any outages. And that's why we talk about, in, in our readiness discussions, we talk about having enough on hand that you can get by. So we do talk about having battery-driven radios or wind-up radios. We do talk about having flashlights. We try to lessen the focus on using candles as an emergency item because candles, uh, when lit, can cause their own kind of emergencies if Mm -hmm. people uh, turn away from them or they get knocked over or whatever. Let's speak uh, specifically to any coming challenges uh, or emergencies that we would have to face as a population and specific to older Zoomers, perhaps, who are housebound, who do rely on having people come into their homes to help them out and most certainly their power. What special needs and challenges do they need to think about in the event of another emergency? It's a really good question and uh, here in Ontario, the emergencies that we mostly deal with are are weather-related. And uh, certainly one of the consequences of those kinds of emergencies is power outages. So in addition to doing everything that everybody else should be doing in terms of having an emergency kit and having uh, important telephone numbers and, and other documents in one place, few other considerations. One, 
make an arrangement with a neighbor, whether it's in the next apartment or whether it's in the house next door, to to look after each other. So keep an eye out for the other person in case there is an emergency. Um, if you're in your home and you're using powered equipment, whether it's a wheelchair or oxygen or anything else, have a plan in place that you've discussed with your supplier as to what you ought to do when there is a power outage. Now, most most of that kind of equipment does have battery operation that is good for, you know, several hours and beyond. But you need to think about what if it goes beyond several hours. A lot of people receive home health care in one way or the other in their homes. And it would be important to sit down with the healthcare provider that comes to visit you to talk about what that individual's agency has as a plan for you. Some of the uh, home visits can be delayed. Others, there would be, would be negative consequences. So what, what is what is the uh, healthcare provider got mm-hmm. planned for you? And I'm thinking also of Meals on Wheels, uh, of organizations that yep. provide sustenance to older yep. people. And so they all have plans. Now, what's important is that you understand the plan and you know what you can rely on and where you're going to have to fill the gaps or reach out to others. A uh, couple of things to think about that uh, are things you can do right now, and that is if you're part of a seniors group, form a mutual aid fan-out call system uh, so that you call three people in an event of an emergency just to make sure they're okay. And that way you can keep track of a fairly large group of people with, with relatively uh, little effort. Yeah. If you're living in a senior, seniors complex or even if you're not, organize how your building is going to respond in an emergency. Maybe it makes best sense for you all to gather for, you know, meals or whatever it might be. And if you're part of groups, people like me love being invited out to come to speak to groups about emergency management and emergency readiness. So, uh, you know, for sure, take advantage of of that when it's your turn to decide the agenda for the meeting. Good idea and a good suggestion for an administrator of a retirement or nursing home, for sure. Absolutely. Very good. Thank you, Allison. Enlightening to speak with you. Thanks so much. Allison Stewart is Chief of Emergency Management Ontario, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review on the new AM740. Coming up in just a moment, I'll be joined by Paula Gianturco, a photographer, author, and grandmother. Her new book, Grandmother Power, tells the true stories of grandmothers around the world who are going above and beyond most of us when it comes to helping our communities. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial. Welcome back to the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Jane Brown for Libby Snymer. When you hear the word grandmother, what comes to mind is a kind older woman who is a constant source of delicious foods. 
But for the past few years, author and photographer Paola Gianturco has traveled the world and met grandmothers of a very different sort. These are women who are using their experiences, knowledge, and skills to better their communities and help younger people in a variety of different and unexpected ways. She documents these women in her new book, Grandmother Power, a Global Phenomenon. I sat down with Paola when she was in town to promote her book. Here in Canada, the Stephen Lewis Foundation's Grandmothers Campaign is comprised of over 240 grandmother groups across the nation. Who knew that there were so many advocacy groups of intelligent, beautiful, experienced women? How did these organizations come to be part of the whole foundation? Stephen Lewis Foundation brought a hundred grandmothers from all over Africa to Toronto to meet with 200 Canadian grandmothers from all over this country in 2006. And the Canadian grandmothers listened to the stories that the African grandmothers told. Many grandchildren were being raised in the continent of Africa, um, grandchildren who had been orphaned by AIDS. And the grandmothers were the ones who were raising them. And their stories were, understandably, very difficult and often very sad. And yet these wonderful women were somehow taking on sometimes as many as 12 and 15 grandchildren to raise at a time of necessity while they were still grieving with the, as a result of their own children's deaths. So the grandmothers in Canada listened and wept with them and made three commitments. They said, we will raise funds here in Canada to benefit these grandmothers. And we will raise awareness in Canada of the issues about the pandemic and about grandmothers and their orphans. And we will stand in solidarity with the grandmothers. The grandmothers in Africa make very specific requests. They may want just enough to buy seeds for a community garden so they can feed the children, or they may want exactly the right amount to buy playground equipment so they can do an after-school program. And over the last six years, the Canadian grandmothers have earned uh, $16 million to send in small cash infusions to grandmothers all over Africa in in response to these requests. You, as a grandmother advocate yourself, have done a lot of work in the United States, which which parallels what's happening here in Canada. Tell us how you came to be part of the whole advocacy of of grandmothers. Well, I'm a grandmother, Mm -hmm. (laughs) for one thing. I had been working in Kenya and interviewing grandmothers there. Um, women whom I didn't realize were grandmothers, and I asked how many children they had. And each of them answered in the same routinized way. One would say, I have two and eight adopted. The next would say, I have four and ten adopted. The next one would say, I have three and fifteen adopted. And suddenly, of course, I realized that I was talking with grandmothers who were raising their grandchildren who had been orphaned by AIDS all over the continent that trip, which was 2006. And I came back inspired to ask, what Our grandmothers doing other places. So when I began doing research, I quickly discovered 70-some groups of grandmothers literally all over the world. I found them in 33 countries working on a diversity of issues of all kinds. And suddenly I found that this wasn't just a little bit of research. In fact, this was my next book. Tell us about the pictures that you've taken for your book. 
I'm very proud of these pictures. I mean, for one thing, um, I have interviewed now and photographed 120 grandmothers in 17 grandmother groups in 15 countries on five continents for this project. Um, I always interviewed them first and then sort of stayed with them for as long as I could, a day or so or hours, um, and tried to capture an aspect of them and their lives. So the pictures are very active. Um, there is always a little portrait, a little thumbnail shot of each grandmother, and it says how old she is and how many grandchildren she has. And then we talked about each woman's participation in the projects that they were doing, these groups are doing locally. Um, I was invited to their homes, um, and I was got to meet their grandchildren. We talked about their projects. In India, they dressed me in saris because wow. they thought I was not colorful enough. <laughs> I danced with the grandmothers in Senegal and in the Philippines. We had a great time. I started meeting them as my sisters, and of course, by the end of the project, they were my heroes. It was such a pleasure meeting you and talking with you. Thank you. It was you a pleasure great, to be here. great inspiration unto yourself and to those of us who will be grandmothers one day. <laughs> Thank you. Grandmother Power is published by Powerhouse Books. You can find it in your local bookstores and online at Amazon.ca. I'm Jane Brown for Libby's Nimer, and this is the Zoomer Weekend Review. It's a rock and roll song we all know and love, and it's celebrating its 55th anniversary. In just a moment, we'll return with Great Balls of Fire. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Jane Brown for Libby Snymer. It's time now for the International Arts Date Book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. In New York City, celebrated Broadway actor Norbert Leo Butts and Hollywood star Katie Holmes headline in Dead Accounts. The dramatic comedy is about a grown son's unexpected return home. It's directed by Jack O'Brien. This is this extraordinary combination of morals, comedy, and money. Dead Accounts is on stage at the Music Box Theater on West 45th Street. In Chicago, ladies and gentlemen, James Brown. This production tells the story of the musical genius and the journey that took him from poverty to riches to jail and back to the good life. It's playing at Chicago's Black Ensemble Theater Cultural Center. And in Berlin, European Month of Photography celebrates a wide range of styles at 100 participating venues, including museums, cultural institutions, and galleries. And that's the International Arts Date Book. This week, an iconic rock and roll song is celebrating its 55th anniversary, Great Balls of Fire. Despite being Jerry Lee Lewis's signature song, it wasn't actually written by the rock and roll pianist. The song was actually penned by Otis Blackwell, the man behind other huge hits of the era, including Elvis's All Shook Up, Don't Be Cruel, and Peggy Lee's Fever. Great Balls of Fire was written specifically for Lewis and was recorded in Memphis, Tennessee at Sun Records Studios in October of 1957. 
It was released at the start of November and quickly became an international hit, reaching number two on the Billboard pop charts, number three on the R&B charts, number one on the country charts, and number one on the UK charts. The song has since become unanimous with the name Jerry Lee Lewis and was even used as the title of the film that dramatized his life. Today, it's considered one of the most important songs of all time, ranked as the 96th greatest song ever by Rolling Stone magazine. And here it is, Jerry Lee Lewis with Great Balls of Fire. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. Too much love drives a man insane. You broke my will, a what a thrill. Goodness gracious, great balls of fire. I let you love what I thought it was funny. You came along and you I've changed my mind. This world is fine. It's just great balls of fire. Kiss the baby. Mmm. Feels good. Hold me, baby. Well, I want to love you like I love the shit. You're fine. So kind. Got to tell this world that you're mine, 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 mine. I chew my nails and then I twist all my thumb. I'm real on earth, but it's no ill. Great Balls of Fire, as performed by Jerry Lee Lewis. It's the biggest hit of his career and is celebrating its 55th anniversary. And that brings us to the end of this week's Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Jane Brown. Thank you so much for joining me today. Libby Snymer returns next week. Be sure to tune in and keep up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.